Discover community. Find hope and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Patrick Severson. So sometimes you have uh, conversations and you don't realize in the moment of that conversation that that conversation is really going to change the trajectory of your life and is going to be life changing. But in the moment, you don't realize it. So about three or four years ago, we had our life group over our small group and we were hanging out. It was New Year's Eve. We're going to celebrate the new year and ring in the new year together as a life group. And on a whim, I don't remember who brought it up, but on a whim, someone had mentioned, hey, have you heard about the whole 30 diet? And uh, maybe that'd be kind of fun for all of us to do together as a life group. And they begin to explain what the whole day. I'm like, all right, let's do it. We're doing New Year's resolutions. All right, let's do it together as a life group, not realizing fully what we're agreeing to. But for those of you not familiar with the Whole30 diet, it's not a weight loss diet. It's a diet that removes basically all processed foods, all those sort of things from your life. And you eat whole food. You eat um, foods that, like meat that has not been processed, fruit, vegetables. You remove basically all carbs. You don't eat bread. You don't eat dairy. All these sort of things. And, uh, and then after you do that for about 30 days, you begin to reintroduce foods and you begin to see how your body reacts. So it's kind of a cleansing diet. And so we decided to do this on a whim. And I don't know why it's kind of one of those things that you do as a New Year's resolution. Um, But we jumped into it. And, uh, you know, after about two or three days, okay, it felt, it was was horrible. I'm just going to say that. I mean, if I wasn't a Christian, let alone a pastor, I'd use a different adjective to describe the whole 30 diet other than miserable. It's not a fun diet. But literally after two or three days, I felt hungry because I wasn't eating food, but I felt amazing. Like I didn't realize like some of the foods that I was eating were actually making me feel sick. And so this launched a three or four year journey uh, of my experimenting with my diet to realize that there are some foods that greatly impact how I feel. And the foods that I once enjoyed and loved so much, things like dairy, were actually causing me to feel unwell. I would have headaches like three, four, five times a week. I would have body aches, joint pains, all those sort of things. I'd have fatigue. Sometimes it was hard to concentrate. And I didn't even realize that for much of my adult life, these foods were making me unwell or feel sick. And before I even experimented with some of these things, I went down to the Mayo Clinic. So I'm like, man, I don't feel well most of the time. This is just not, what is going on? And we ran all these tests, all these things, and nothing came back conclusive. And so just for many, many years, I just dealt with it. Until one day in our life group, we threw out this idea, hey, let's try the whole 30. And I began to change my diet and I began to realize, man, I didn't realize how yucky I felt for much of the time and uh, how much I was missing. Here's the deal. I, I would never go back to the way I used to eat. Not with how I feel now. I would, I would never go back and begin to eat those foods that I once enjoyed so much. Do I miss pizza? Yes. <laughs> I mean, a meat lover's pizza just 
top with tons of meat and cheese and man, my mouth is starting to water just thinking about it. Do I miss like a hot fudge sundae? Yeah, I would love to have one or a Dairy Queen blizzard, uh, you know, Oreo mint uh, Dairy Queen blizzard. Yes, it would be amazing. But I tell you what, even though those things sound good to me, I look past how they make me feel, and I realize how much they make me feel, and I I look past the immediate gratification that I would enjoy if I ate those, and I would realize how much it makes me feel gross and yucky and ill inside, and so it's not really a temptation, because I look past the immediate indulgence. In a spiritual sense, the Apostle Paul is talking about that. He's saying your former way of life, the way that you used to live, is making you spiritually sick. Why would you want to go back? And so we're going to be looking at a a passage in Ephesians as we continue in this series, Be Church, uh, looking at the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 here in a little bit. And the Apostle Paul, man, he is bringing it to this point. He was saying, you know what, before you came to know Jesus, before you surrendered your life to him, you were spiritually unwell. And now that you are a new person in Christ, your life has changed. You are a new creation. And he said, why would you want to go back? And so in our section of Ephesians today, we're reminded to live up into who we are in Christ. And he illustrates this so wonderfully in this passage. He's saying your former way of life, it was spiritually zapping you of energy. It was making you feel unwell. It was robbing you of your God-given purpose to live in relationship with him and to live on mission with him. And so our passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19, really is said by some it's the pinnacle of the, the book of this letter. Like everything that Paul was talking about up to this point, it's like coming to a head right here. You say, this is what it's all about. Everything that we talked about in the first few chapters is building to this moment. And he's saying, don't go back to your former way of life. It's a call to action for us as believers And since this passage that we're going to be looking at today is kind of the height of the passage, what I want us to do is I want to do a brief review of all that we've kind of looked at, some of the high points of the book of Ephesians up until this point, specifically looking at what Ephesians says about who we are in Christ. For those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus and have stepped into relationship with him, we are a new creation and scripture here in Ephesians, it talks about we've been given a new identity. And what I want to do is I want to briefly look at each of these statements that we see up until this point, because it's building off of this, because he builds this theme up and then he goes, okay, now don't go back. So if you're following along in our sermon notes, um, which I would encourage you, these are all listed in the sermon notes in our Hope, or not our Hope, our Church Center app, and you click on sermon notes and it brings it up. You'll see a list. You can click on the verse as well. But what I want to do is I want to I want to highlight verses, um, the, the verses that we see in the first three chapters and look at what the Apostle Paul and what Scripture tells about our identity in Christ because it's building to this. So let's do a brief overview. Chapter 1, verse 3, right out of the gate, it says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing, that we are a blessed people. For those who have surrendered the lives of Jesus, stepped in relationship with him, we are blessed. It says we are chosen. 
It says we are blameless, chapter 1, verse 4. It says we are adopted, chapter 1, verse 5. That we have been adopted into God's family. We are in Christ. We have redemption. We are forgiven. These are bold statements here. I hope you're, I hope you're capturing these. We are forgiven. We have purpose. We have hope. We are included. Chapter 1, verse 13. We are saints. Chapter 1, verse 18. I don't always feel like that. But scripture says, I'm a saint. You are a saint. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus and made him Lord of your life, you are a saint. We are alive with Christ. Chapter 2, verse 5 reminds us of that. We are raised with Christ. We experience the incomparable riches of God's grace. Like God's grace is endless. We get to experience the endless, amazing grace of God. We experience the kindness of God. Chapter 2, verse 7. We have peace. We have access to the Father. We are members of God's household. We are secure. Man, the world seems like it's a mess right now, but we are secure in Christ. Our future is secure. We are a holy temple. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We share in the promise of Christ. We have, we can approach God in confidence and in freedom. We can know that our sufferings are not meaningless, that there's a reason and a purpose for the things that we experience in life, that even in our challenges, God uses them. We experience the deep and profound love of Jesus. We are complete in God. We have been called. And lastly, in chapter 4, verse 15, up until this point, we can move towards spiritual maturity. I mean, these are the things just in the book alone that have led up to this point in verse 17. And when we take that into consideration, it informs when we get to this point, right? We look at all of these things. That's quite a list. And I would encourage you, uh, take time sometime this week or even later today and read through that list over and over and speak those truths into your life. They're so important for us. It's our identity and who we are, a new creation, but that's quite the, the list. It reminds us that our, it is absolutely worth leaving our old way of life and embracing our new life in Christ and not looking back. It is absolutely worth it. Our specific passage in chapter 4, verse 17, Paul is calling Christians to live up into who they are and highlighting the, some of the negatives of the way that we used to live and our former ways of life without Christ. And he's saying, he's emphasizing, he's saying, there's no looking back now. Look at what you've gained in Christ. Look at what your life was like. Now live into it. Don't go back. Don't look back at all. So let's read our passage. It'll be up on the screen. It'll also be in the sermonal app so you can follow along in your own Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 19. Again, keeping all of those things into consideration as we read this. Verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 
Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge into every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. I mean, right in verse 17, Paul calls him, he says, live differently. To essentially live not in the way that they used to live, to live differently. Again, it's the pinnacle, the height of the letter. There's no turning back. And he's saying, don't live like the Gentiles. Now imagine for a moment the term North Dakotan or Minnesotan, which I think describes most of us where we live right now, North Dakota or uh, Minnesota. Imagine that those terms, North Dakotan or Minnesotan, and you kind of say it like that, or I don't know why I said it like that, but you do. And, uh, and that term had kind of a negative connotation to it. Maybe, maybe it brought up things like uh, North Dakotans or Minnesotans. They're, they're selfish, they're careless, they're kind... Uh, constantly looking for the next thrill um, they live for the next high they're selfish they're private all those sort of things it has this negative connotation to it just for a moment i'm not saying that it is let's just imagine it'd be like the apostle paul saying hey don't be a north dakotan anymore you're no longer a north dakotan you're no longer a minnesotan live up into who you are as the new creation in christ and that's essentially what he's saying. He's like, don't go back. That's how he's using this word Gentile here. He's saying, don't be like that. It's a negative way to describe their former way of life. And he's saying, don't live like that anymore. Because of Christ, everything has changed in your life. And so we can learn from these negative statements here about what, how Paul highlights them, and we could take note that he doesn't hold any punches here. He is looking at these things, and he's saying, hey, this is how you used to be. It was pretty ugly. It was pretty bad. And he, and he hits these statements here. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through this passage real briefly and look at each of these statements real quick, okay? So verse 18 of chapter 4. Basically, what we're learning is that before Christ, we were once ignorantly filled with darkness. That before Christ, we were ignorantly filled with darkness. Much like how I stated earlier that I used to previously eat just about anything that sounded good to me, but I didn't realize it was actually making me feel gross and to feel sick. So too, this happens in a spiritual sense. We were ignorantly unaware that we lived in spiritual darkness before we came to know Jesus. We were ignorant and unaware of all that God had in store for us as well. In fact, on, on many levels, we didn't even know that we were missing something. Sure, we might have realized something was a little off, but we didn't realize it until we entered into relationship with Jesus, we begin to look back and go, oh my goodness. I didn't, I didn't realize how much I was missing before. We hear that a lot. When we, when we do the baptisms, um, the, the believer's baptisms, and people share a little bit of their story, how often do we hear, man, I didn't know beforehand what I was missing in Christ. And now I look back and I go, man, that's how my life used to be. And I don't want to be like that anymore. And I make it a bold statement to pursue Jesus. We see and we hear stories of that in our community very frequently. And if you're here today and you're thinking, man, this whole Christianity stuff seems a little, I don't know, I'm not too sure. I'm still kind of sorting this out. I'm, I'm not sure. It seems a little odd to me. I, I get it. 
I get it. It doesn't become fully clear until you step into relationship with Jesus, until you surrender him, surrender to him and make him Lord of your life. And then you look back and you go, oh my goodness, that's the way my life used to be. And it realize it. And we begin to take on our new identity and to live into our new identity. We look back, we go, man, I didn't realize it. And so if you're here today and you're searching, you go, man, this, it's not quite clicking. I get it. I challenge you, though, to explore Jesus. See who he is. And consider the things that we're talking about. And be open to a relationship with him. You know, put it another way, when I think about us being ignorant beforehand or unaware of what we were missing out on in a relationship with Christ, it'd be similar to, you know, a blind person knows that they're blind. A spiritually blind person doesn't know that they're spiritually blind. They're ignorant to the fact that they're blind. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, you're, you're blind, you lived in darkness, so you didn't even realize it. And that's how we lived prior to Christ. Also, verse 18, before Christ, we were separated from God. It's clear. This passage is talking about that. We were separated from God. Again, before I changed my diet, I didn't realize the fact that I was separated from enjoying a life that I I could enjoy from a health perspective. Because I was eating foods I didn't realize was making me feel gross. And I just felt gross all the time and I didn't realize all that I was missing out on um, or that that was what was making me sick and separating me from enjoying life to the way that I, I can now. Similarly, before Christ, we were separated from God and the life that he has in store for us in him. In many regards, before we came to Christ, we didn't realize the damaging effects of sin and how that caused separation and corruption in our lives and separation from God himself. It's in the perspective of restored relationship with God where we're united with him that we begin to look back and go, man, I was separated from God and I didn't even realize what I was missing. God, when we step into relationship with him, he gives us new life, and this is a call to embrace it fully. We were once separated from God. In the next statement, we see in verse 18 as well, that before Christ, man, our hearts were hardened. Our hearts were just, they were, they were hardened. If you look at the the original language, this word for heart here, It describes basically everything in our inner being, our thinking, our feeling, our source of motivation, basically our will, everything. It kind of incorporates all of these things when it, when it brings in this idea of heart and that our hearts, basically everything within us and the internal part of us, um, was hardened. Our hearts were hardened, especially towards God. Our inner lives were a mess. Our thinking was skewed. Our feelings ran wild. Our motivations were off-center because they weren't centered on Christ. And when we didn't find satisfaction in things, our hearts became hardened even more. Uh, Paul is saying, don't go back to that. Don't go back to the hardened heart that you once experienced. And then we see in verse 19, the next statement that we, we learn that before Christ, 
our conscience was a mess. We see this in similar places like in Romans as well. Like it's all over in in the beginning of Romans, especially chapter 1. But in verse 19 it says, having lost all sensitivity. In other words, before Christ we had become desensitized to the things of Christ. And we became desensitized to the reality that we are far from Him. It says we, no relationship is static, right? Your relationship is either, no matter what, whether it's a sibling relationship, your relationship with God, relationship with your spouse, whatever, no relationship is static. It's either growing towards one another or it's moving away. No relationship is static. And we looked at our relationship with God and because our conscience was a mess, we were like, all right, whatever. Our hearts are hardened toward it. We didn't really care that our lives were moving more and more away from God. Our conscience didn't bring light to the reality that we were far from him. And then the last thing that we see in verse 19, again, these negative statements that Paul is saying about how our lives used to be before Christ is that before Christ, we continually lusted for the things that we thought were gonna bring us more satisfaction in our life. We continually lusted for things that we thought were going to bring satisfaction, but they never brought satisfaction. And he hammers this point right here. He brings it home and he says, before Christ, you didn't even realize that the world, while fun for a season, never brought you satisfaction. It was kind of like being thirsty and then drinking salty water. And thinking that's going to bring satisfaction, only it heightens and dehydrates you more and makes you more thirsty. And, and in our previous, in our previous way, we, we longed for, or the, you know, the intense word, we lusted. Like we longed for, we had to have things that we thought were going to bring satisfaction in our life, but only left us empty. Because they were never meant by God to bring fulfillment in and of themselves. We were meant to find fulfillment in God himself. And he's saying, you know what? You lusted for those things and they left you empty. They never brought satisfaction in your life. They only left you more thirsty. You see, our passionate pursuit to find meaning in things other than God only left emptiness. They were never designed to bring us fulfillment. But Christ frees us from that. Christ frees us from that pursuit of wanting to try to find happiness in things that were never designed to bring happiness in our lives or fulfillment or satisfaction. Only Christ can do those things. You know, as we, as we look at this passage, there is little doubt today. Our faith is a call to action. It is, friends. And Paul is saying that. He's saying, live out your faith. Don't look back. It's not worth it. Your life in Christ now is infinitely more fulfilling than your old life. There's no looking back. Don't bother going there. That doesn't mean it's easy, friends. I get it. It doesn't mean that life in Christ is easy and a a walk in the park. It doesn't mean that we don't have struggles, but it does mean this, that our struggles have purpose and God uses them in amazing ways to draw us closer to him and to create deeper dependence on him. As we trust in the provisions of Christ that he is indeed our good shepherd who cares for us as his people. That we don't go through the mess of life aimlessly without purpose. 
that even in our struggles, even in the challenges of living out our faith, that God is there. Perhaps you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never entered into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. You've never said, you know what, God, I'm tired of doing it my own way. I'm surrendering to you. I'm accepting the fact that you died on the cross. That you, you paid the penalty for my sin. That you offer me forgiveness now. That through your grace and through your mercy, you extend relationship to me that where I once was living in darkness, I now can live in light. And if that describes you, man, I want to encourage you. Take a step of faith. I, I implore you, surrender your life to Jesus and see what he does. Because I think if you surrender your life to Jesus, you're going to look back and go, man, that's the way I used to live. I want to I cast that off and I want to embrace the new life that I have in Jesus. And when he does that, I think it's beautiful and amazing. You know, when I didn't change my diet, I didn't realize how much I was missing out. It's only until I made that decision in a spiritual sense. If you haven't made that decision, and I fear you don't know what you're missing out. All the things that we talked about, our identity in Christ, afforded to you if you surrender to him and declare him Lord of your life. And then for those of us who have, just like when I say I'm not eating those foods anymore that make me feel sick, we're saying, you know what? On a much greater, much grander scale, I'm not looking back. I never want my old way of life again. I don't. I see what I have in Jesus and there's no way I'm going back. I'm not. Not with what Christ has done in my life. Other times when I'm tempted to go, yeah, well, yeah, of course. But it's not worth it to me. I want to pursue Jesus and embrace the life that he has for me and the purpose that he has for me. There's no looking back for me. What about you, friends? If you have made that decision, if you have declared that Jesus is Lord of your life, are you saying, I'm not even looking back? It's not worth it. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Let's not look back at our old lives. Let's press forward in our new lives in Jesus. I think of the old song, that I, I remember singing um, many years ago, and sometimes we sing it even now, the song, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. It's three simple phrases, really. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I hope for all of us we could see the beauty of what Christ has done in our lives and say, you know what? Not only is there no turning back, there's no looking back for me. I'm embracing and continually, day in and day out, the new life I have in Jesus. Let's make it clear and decisive for all of us. There's no looking back not for me.